0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Focus on Greatness podcast. I am your host, Hiram Roche, and here, as always, I am truly thankful and grateful to be able to be here with you, uh, my greatness tribe. Hey, everybody, hey, listen, greatness tribe, hey, listen, have you joined our text group? I I know you have already, but if you haven't, I want to make sure that you know and are aware that we have one. The importance of this text group, Is so that me and you can be able to stay connected. I know that there's times that I can go live. There are things that we are going to be releasing. uh, There are conversations that I'm going to be having, and I don't want you to miss none of that. I want you to be able to be involved in everything that we're doing as the Greatness Tribe. So this is what I need you to do. I need you to text 833-398-1648. That's the number I need you to text to, and here is the phrase, I need you to only text greatness. Now, again, what is this going to do? This is going to allow me to be able to text you personally so that we can be able to stay in contact, be able to stay connected, so we can continue to talk, um, so you can know what's happening, what products that we're going to be offering, or what things are going to happen. Again, I don't want you to miss out on anything. So listen, this is important. Because if you believe that this greatness tribe is impacting your life and is very vitally important to what you're doing, you're always expecting these Monday, these Monday night conversations and um and the posts that I do throughout the week. You're expecting these things and you're anticipating these conversations. You don't want to miss any of them. So again, text greatness to 833-398-1648. And the Greatness Tribe. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, listen, we're going to dive right in. We've been on, I would say a wonderful journey together where we have started the beginning of the year. We are now in to month two of this year, and I hope and pray that you are staying focused on your goals, um, staying focused on what you have said that you're going to accomplish and do this year. You've been sticking with your schedule making sure that you are uh, functioning and rolling with that on a week to week basis, making some assessments. Um, at the end of every week, so you can be able to know whatever adjustments you need to make um, for your schedule for yourself. I hope and pray that you are walking fully um, in developing your greatness. Now, we have been leaning into this statement of greatness because I believe it's very important for us to have a real understanding of what greatness is, as well as what does that look like. Some of the struggles and the things that happens with people that are great that are walking in their greatness. And how we deal with those challenges. Um, And so one of the things that we have made sure that we've been leaning into is, again, what is greatness? Now, greatness defined to us is the ability to be able to serve well. That's greatness to us. That comes out of the book of Matthews, um, where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says unto them, the greatest among you will be the servant of you all. Now that helps us to understand that when we're looking at greatness, greatness is, again, it's this ability to be able to serve. Um, I believe it's Dr. Martin Luther King is what's the one of the quotes that we lean on that says that in a nutshell, listen, everybody will not be popped Everybody might not be be successful or be on a screen, but greatness is the ability to be able to serve that 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 bends the whole thing for me when we're looking at this context of greatness. Now, what we have started on in this month of February, we've been really just talking about um really being able to identify this person and look at this person's lens and life to be able to see the a picture for us of what greatness looks like as well as some of the things that this person has encountered in their journey. And the person that we've been looking at so far is a man by the name of David. Now, last week um, on the podcast, we dived into the foundation, I would say, of how we defined and looked at greatness through David's life and how we were able to see these different things um, of David's life. And one of the things that I want to be able to do tonight is I want to be able to give unto us a picture of one of David's struggles. Now, the reason why I want to do this is because in in our journey of walking in our ability to be able to serve well and walking in our greatness, there are going to be moments and things, surely as men, that we struggle with. Um, everybody's struggle per se is not the same, but everybody has some form of a struggle. What I want to be able to do tonight is not just identify his struggle, but I also want to identify some surrounding scenarios that goes around it and then being able to see what we can be able to pull out of his story that will help us in our journey. Um, as we continue to go on, as we continue to walk in our greatness. We are trying to understand not just how we serve well, but we're trying to understand that there are other things that affect sometimes how we serve. And so this is one of the things I want to be able to look at on tonight as we look into the journey of David's life. Now, here's this thing. I want to go ahead and I'm going to dive right in. We're going to dive in and look at um, 2 Samuel, Second Samuel chapter 11. Now, this is a story that some of us may be familiar with and some of us may not be, um, but I'm going to make sure that before this conversation is over, you have a clear understanding of this story. And hopefully I give you a different perspective at looking at this story, um, as well as we can be able to gain again something from this that we can be able to apply unto our own lives and really be able to ask some questions with our own selves. So in 2 Samuel chapter 11, I'm going to read first, uh, starting at verses 1, and I'm going to read a couple of verses, and then I'll give us some backdrop from it. So in 2 Samuel chapter 11, this is what it says. And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon, and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the evening that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman and one and one said is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite This is someone speaking to David And David sent messengers and took her and she came unto him in unto him and he laid with her For she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. Now, for those that have never read this context or never heard of this storyline, let me give you some backdrop. So, The scripture context in 2 Samuel chapter 11 starts off allowing us to be able to understand that there is a specific season that they are in. This season, this time frame that they're talking about is this is the time when normally kingdoms go to war. This is the time when when you are uh, about to go into battle to take over new territory, to deal with enemies, whatever that is. This was the time frame when this would normally happen. But what the scripture allows us to be able to get a glimpse of is that David as the king, let me give you this backdrop, normally as a king, you didn't just send you didn't just go to war. You went to war with your people So if your people went into battle, so did the king. And history has allowed us to be able to see through David's life that every almost every battle that has been fought with the kingdom, with his soldiers, David was at the front of the battle fighting with his men. Now, I have heard this being said, whereas like, why now was David not going to battle? Why now was David not going to not being in this war? David understood what time it was. David understood it was a season and a moment of battle. David understood that, but the scripture allows us to be able to see that David did not go, but he sent his people forward. And sometimes we can look at this, and some I've heard say that the reason why David got caught up in the moment that he did is because David wasn't in the right position. And let's be very honest, it might be the case. It might be the case that David started to break his routine and because david started to break his routine because david was not staying in the consistency that he normally would be because david was not where he normally would be doing it 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 put him in a position where now he is looking on things that he probably wasn't looking at before but now since he's breaking his routine now he has time to be able to look at the scenery Let me back up a little bit and calm down. Um, And so what I want us to be able to see is David again has not went out to battle with with his people. David did not go. But not only did David not go out to battle, but now David has sent his men out to battle. And now David is looking on the top of his rooftop and he now sees a woman that is beautiful to him that he wants. He sleeps with her, understood she was someone else's wife. She was someone else's family member. She was not supposed to be with him. But I also want to emphasize something here. When I I thought about David's life and I thought about this specific storyline because I understood that this is one of the things that David struggled with. We're going to deal with some other pieces in another podcast conversation, but this is one thing that I know that David per se struggles with. But the question that I ask myself is why? Why did David struggle in this area? Let let me be more clear. If you read David's story and you kind of start digging in David's story, David at this point already has multiple wives. It's not one of those things where David is single and David's out here just looking for somebody to love. And he looks and he sees this woman and this woman is so attractive to him. This woman is so beautiful to him. So he now gravitates to this woman and wants her, lays with her and gets her pregnant even though I'm guessing the pregnancy part was not a part of the plan, but he wanted to enjoy this time with this woman. And so all of these things are happening. But but again, the question for me is why? David, you have multiple wives in your home. Why Bathsheba? What is it about her that made you want to Take her in, but not take advantage of or enjoy. I would use that word, enjoy the wives that you already have. What's going on, David? What's happening in this moment? Well, as as a person that studies the Bible in any form of way, I would recommend that before you lean into this one chapter, you lean into others. Even if you just stay in the same book, um, when I mean with the same book, stay in Second Samuel, my recommendation always is that you read the chapter before and the chapter after. The chapter before would give you, the chapter before and the chapter after would give you at least some form of clarity of what's happened with this individual. What's, what's really going on with this person? And the, the, the chapter right before, because it does not per se tell us how long time is, like it doesn't show or tell us that this was this, you know, the chapter before and the chapter that we're reading in chapter 11 is like years in span. It doesn't tell us that it doesn't give unto us a glimpse of how long it's been. But what it does allow us to be able to see is where and what's going on with the individual. Well, we're in chapter 11, but if we back up to chapter 8, in chapter chapter 8, David is fighting. David is winning battles, doing his thing, doing what he normally does, and he's becoming more and more popular as this, this warrior king that's basically defeating enemies. That's in chapter eight. In chapter nine, in chapter nine, we get into a scenario where now David, after after some form of time of hearing about the death of Saul, and after hearing about the death of his best friend, Jonathan, and he gets to a point in chapter nine, where it's basically, he gets into a moment where now he's remembering his friend, Jonathan, who the scripture allows us to be able to understand, it was his closest friend. It was the only person or the first person that we recognize or see that David made some form of a covenant with. So in this concept, this is vitally important. This relationship that David had with Jonathan was very important. This this relationship was a very important part of his journey. It it allowed him to be able to understand really how to be able to function in certain regions and areas, even as a king. He didn't he wasn't raised in a kingdom, even though he was around kingdom settings. He wasn't he wasn't raised as a king's kid. So Jonathan gave unto him something that he needed in his journey, was able to pour into something in an area of David's life that he needed in his journey. But now his best friend is gone. His best friend has passed away. And now time has went on. And now in chapter 9 of Second Samuel chapter 9, you hear in the introduction David making this statement. Hey Amen. Is there anybody that's still alive? in the house of Saul so that I can be able to bless them for Jonathan's sake, what is he asking? Listen, I made a covenant with my friend that, listen, no matter, I understand where we're in. I understand the job and the business that we're in. If anything ever happens to you, I'll take care of every, anything that's connected to you. I got you and I know you got me. And the scripture says that they, they said, yes, he does. He have a son out here in these streets. And this is where he's at. And this is what's going on in his journey. And the scripture allows us to be able to understand that at this moment, David brings him into his home and allows him to understand that, listen, I'm about to restore everything that has been taken from you or taken from your, your grandfather. And I'm going to restore it unto you. I'm going to give you what was taken from him. I'm going to give you food. So you ain't got to worry about having to worry about eating. And I'm going to make sure that I, that you're taken care of. you. The only thing you need to do is just come and be with me because I made a promise to your father. But the question that I start to ask myself is David now. Why now? What's what's going on? What's happening to you? It sounds like in this chapter, it sounds like getting into chapter nine. It sounds like before when when we're in chapter eight, it sounds like he's in chapter eight and he's still doing what he normally does. But it sounds like in chapter nine, something emotionally is starting to happen to David. I don't understand if it's because of old age and now you're sitting back and you're looking and reflecting on life and the things and the people that you love and the things that you have missed and the the moments that have now been slipped away and you're looking at all of these things around you and now you're sitting here and contemplating, man, what can I do for my friend? I miss my friend. I wish he was here in this moment because of whatever I might be going through. We don't really understand or know what might be transpiring with David at this moment that what may Him think of his friend in chapter 9. But the scripture says he brings in Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, Saul's grandson, and he takes care of him. But then we get into chapter 10. Chapter 10 another one of David's friends has now passed away. And David, out of the kind of of his heart, Recognizes that now his son, his friend's son has now been able to take his position. And David says, I owe you just like I'd owe Jonathan. It's not the same type of relationship, but it's important because you did something for me. Your father did something for me. Not you, but your father did something for me. So, hey, listen, why don't somebody go and check on him? See if he needs anything. This is still the servant. This is even though he's a king, you, you can hear the servant's heart, the greatness coming out of David. And David now sends his messengers to go and to be able to see what this young man needs, any assistance that he needs. And the scripture says that this young man has some friends around him. And the friends basically said, listen, man, David, David didn't send his men over here so that they can be able to see what you need no david sent his men over here so david can see where you are so that he can defeat you and the bible says that they did some things that would embarrass these men which now made them have to go into battle and fight and the scripture shows us in this chapter chapter 10 if you read second samuel chapter 10 you'll see this It shows us that David is now frustrated because of what these people have done to his men. And I'm looking at the storyline and I'm seeing one emotional trauma scenario happening right after another emotional scenario. And now after another emotional scenario, the first one is I'm thinking about my best friend that has passed away, and now I want to be able to take care of his son. It's emotional. I love this. I'm grateful, and I'm, and I, but I'm in, a, I'm in a certain emotional state. Now I have another friend that has passed away, and I'm now in another emotional state. But now I'm trying to help his son. I'm trying to do something that a good friend would do. And now this son has disrespected not only my people, but disrespected me. Now I'm in another emotional state. And the scripture says that David sent his person, Joab, and some of the children of Israel to go and fight against this young man. Now they went out there and they did what they normally do. They start beating these boys up. But it got to a point in the battle where it became so much. And then the scripture says now after some time, now after these things started to transpire, they sent basically for David. And now David comes after the battle had started. David didn't go out in the entry. So when we read in chapter 11 with him sitting at home at a time where they're normally going into war, This is not the first time he's done it. And I think to myself, why didn't you fight in this one at first? Maybe because you were in some form of an emotional state. Maybe now after you've fought David in chapter 10 and you've defeated them, now when we look at you in chapter 11, maybe you are still in some form of an emotional state. And the reason why now you don't go into battle is because of your emotional state. And now you are so much into your emotional state that you're at home by yourself in some form of sense. While your army and your leaders are in battle right now. And now David finds himself standing on the top of his roof looking out and when he looks out he sees a beautiful woman across the way bathing and he inquires about her he asks her to come he lays with her sleeps with her and gets her pregnant and i know you're probably asking harm where are you going with this conversation have we ever asked and thought to ourselves that maybe, maybe, what David was doing is what some of us do, even though we are walking in greatness, even though we are wanting to be the best men that we could be, or the best fathers that we could be, or the best friends that we could be, or walking in our greatness as a husband, or as a son, or... um as a best friend or as a coworker, as a business owner, we can go down the laundry list of what we're walking in as we are developing our greatness. But maybe what if, just like David, maybe we are sometimes, which I know even myself, I'm in these moments where we are in an emotional state. We are in a certain position emotionally Now I know we don't like to conversate and communicate about our emotions, but what I started to ask myself as I'm looking at David's life and I'm looking at David's journey, I started to ask myself again, why did David want Bathsheba when he already had wives? What are you doing, David? And I looked at the storyline and I asked these questions and I started to think about these different variety of different things, and, and, and I thought about this thing that I think we all do that we can learn from David's journey and David's story. Is David learned or taught himself how to use? these things to satisfy his emotional state. I'm gonna pause here because I want you to hear it. I believe David used, not per se, he was using women. No, hear what I'm saying. He loved women. Scripture allows us to be able to see this. He, he, He loves women. He loved women to the point that when, when they wanted to see, did David die? They brought in a fresh virgin woman and put her in the bed with the king. And when David didn't budge, David didn't move. David didn't even try to touch her. They said, yep, he's gone. So we know David loved women. That's not the question here. The question, if we draw back and look at the full picture, is what we see is David is in an emotional state and he's looking for something that he can use that he believes can be able to satisfy where he is emotionally. And the question that I ask myself and the question that I'm asking you on tonight is this, what do you use or what do you do when you are emotional? Now, see, yours might not be as deep as David's when you have slept with another man's wife and you have now the power and the strength to be able to not only cover your sin, but try to be able to also cover it by killing the husband so you can seem like this didn't happen the way it did. You're not like David in that sense. You might not have that much strength and have that much power. But the question is, when you are emotional, what are you doing to satisfy that urge? See, some people's emotions take them into deep holes. Some people's men emotions take them into a place of anger. Some pe- men's emotions takes them into a place where they, they pour themselves so much into things to be able to deal with the, the emotional, as a distraction almost, to deal with the emotional place and the struggle that I'm currently in. So what do you do? when you have combated one emotional situation after another and after another, and it seems like it's overwhelming, it seems like it's, it's, it's overpowering, what, what do you do? Do you eat? What do you do? Do you dive into your work? What, what do you do? Are you like this context in the aspect of you just, you, you, you deal with it by sleeping with? what do you do how are you dealing with these moments when you feel emotionally overwhelmed because again the scripture doesn't allow us to know a time frame but what we can see is from chapter 9 all the way up into chapter 11 david is dealing with emotional scenarios that's now got david in a position and in a posture he's trying to figure out how to satisfy this crave and so what does David do David goes and sees Bathsheba here's a here's the thing that I want us to be able to see is again because it doesn't give us a timeline. It doesn't tell us how long the people were gone. It doesn't tell us how long this situation drew out. It doesn't tell us if David was inquiring, and the first day he just talked to her, and then she went back home, and he, you know, he kind of quartered her plate, you know, flirted a little bit, and got, you know, what got excited, whatever, whatever, and then a moment happened. It doesn't tell us that. But what it does tell us is this. Watch this in verses four, Second Samuel chapter eleven, verses four. This is what it says. And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he laid with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. Paul's. How did you know that, David? How did you know she wasn't unclean? How did you know, basically, this context is talking about she wasn't on her cycle. How did you know that, David? The only way you would know this part, the only way we can be able to put this in the context is that there was conversations. This wasn't the first time. This wasn't the first moment. There was probably times before this that you have tried. But you just now got to this moment. Because you couldn't get over the emotional place that you were in. And you needed to be satisfied. And this is how you satisfied your craving, David. So I'm going to ask you, how do you deal with yours? How do you deal with your own cravings? When you're emotionally, When you're emotionally unstable, when you're emotional and you're feeling overwhelmed, I understand what that feels like. I understand what that feels like to be overwhelmed as a husband, to be overwhelmed as a father, to be overwhelmed from your job, to be overwhelmed in your business adventure, to be overwhelmed by expectations, to be overwhelmed by sometimes the failures or the mistakes and the things that you do wrong. That, sh- that that then you pile up on top of all the other emotions. To be overwhelmed by not being where you feel like you should be in your life. To be overwhelmed by looking at all the things that you have been successful at and still feeling like you still haven't accomplished anything yet to be overwhelmed by when you have helped people and the same people that you help, you feel like they betrayed you, not by them doing you wrong in an aspect of when they've, they've, reject, they've done something against you, talked about you. No. But when they have rejected the gift or the thing that you've been trying to give unto them, they treat it as if it's not important. I understand when you pour out and pour out and pour out but you feel like you're unwanted or unneeded. I, I, I understand all those emotional places there are emotionally overwhelming moments that sometimes happen to us in one day but how do you deal with it what do you use what do you use to be able to deal with your emotional place What do you use to deal when you are emotionally out of control? Now, our out of control sometimes looks totally different from others because our out of control looks controlled, but internally is crazy. Because the scripture doesn't let us know that David is like, man, I'm tripping over here. It don't let us know that until after he gets caught. Now, how does he get caught? He doesn't get caught because somebody somebody caught him in the bed. No, everybody knew what he was doing. He got caught in the aspect of God called him out. That's in the next chapter, in chapter 12. God used a man, a prophet, to be able to come and say, hey, listen, this is what's going on. Let me give you a parable. Let me show you another picture of this. What's the other picture? Oh, here's the other picture. Hey, David, listen. Hey, man, there's a man out here. There's two different men in this category of a story. One of them is rich and another one is poor. The one that is poor, he has this one sheep, this one lamb that he's been taking care of, that he loves so dearly. This one lamb has produced now children and 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 he and he's developed her he's raised with this lamb he's he's been growing with this lamb they've been growing together but now you got this rich man who has several sheep several lambs but he looks and sees this man's lamb and takes it from him david gets mad and gets upset gets furiated and says man look let's find who this man is that and took this person's lamb let's deal with him and let's make him repay him more than what he took and the prophet nathan says listen i just want to make sure this is very clear you are that man you got many wives You got all the land. You got everything that your heart can desire, David. God has blessed you with everything that you wanted and more. And if it wasn't even enough, you could have been able to request and God would have still blessed you. But instead of you asking of God, instead of you seeking after God, instead of you communicating with God, what you did, David, is you went and took someone else's to be able to satisfy your emotional state. Now hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I wanna make sure that this is very clear. I understand we all struggle. I understand that there is more that happens on a day-to-day basis and some things that are going on currently right now that you can't even talk about, that you don't feel like you would be able to articulate it correctly. Sometimes the pressure of looking at the things that, you are, that, that happened in your past that you wish you could have changed so, so hopefully your life would have been different. That one thing that you think about every now and again that comes up where, where you think and say, man, if I would have made a different choice, maybe my life would not be where it is currently now that overwhelming feeling is what sitting with you on top of everything else that you're dealing with i get it i promise you i get it one of the reasons why i can say i get it is because honestly i'm there there are things that i'm dealing with right now and thoughts that i'm that's going through my mind and emotional states the emotional things that i'm struggling with right now on a day-to-day basis from my home to my job to the ministry to the the friendships to relate different relationships like like there's so many different categories from dreams to my own expectations like all, there's there's a combination of things that is going on from family, (laughs) I I could go on and I could go deeper. But I have to ask myself, um, how do you deal? How do you deal with it? What do you use as your outlet? What do you use as the thing that helps to calm your nerve? I, I was mentioning something to a friend a couple of days ago, and I was like, Man, I don't understand why I get into these moments where, where I just feel so overwhelmed, and i be just wanting to be like, Man, y'all yeah. can have this. My friend clearly was like, Man, what is going on? not per se what's going on with your life, but why do we keep coming around this same circle? Why do you get so overwhelmed to this point and don't know how to deal with it in the aspect of you don't have an outlet, sir? Why are you bottling these things up and thinking that you can use some form of a fleshly context to be able to deal with your emotional instability? You working yourself to the bone to be able to try to use it as a distraction of your emotional state right now, it doesn't help you. You sitting there playing the game for an hour and, and, and trying to use this as a distraction to deal with your emotional state, that does not help you. You're working out extra so you can be able to use that as an outlet. That is great, that's helpful. All of these contexts are helpful, understand, but that's not gonna help it. That's not going to actually deal with the root of the issue. What deals with the root? And I know, I know, I know, I know who I'm talking to. I know who my audience is. I know who my people are. So I I, I know when I say this, you'll understand what I'm about to say. When you are emotional, when it feels overwhelming, when it feels too much, when it feels like you're going through and it's getting heavier and heavier and heavier, Ask yourself this question, when is the last time you worshiped? When is the last time you honestly had a conversation with God? When is the last time you sat still and just prayed? When is the last time that you sat down? and was just honest with yourself. Because here's the thing, I read from chapter eight, I see some context, I read chapter nine, I even read chapter 10, I read chapter 11. And in chapter nine, 10 and 11, There's no mention of David talking to God. The scripture says that David is a man after God's own heart. And if you understand and read his journey, you can understand why. Every time David would be in situations, every time David would go through certain struggles, every time David messed up every time David was in the midst of battles and every time there was scenarios and situations that was going on around David, you heard David clearly communicating with God. Chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11. I don't hear David talking with God. I hear and see David trying to deal with his own emotional stability, his own emotional state, his own emotional struggles by himself. And what does David do when he's trying to deal with it by himself? He finds something that he can use, that he can be able to try to help him deal with his emotions. And I know looking at it in this light sometimes can be a little bit different. But what I recognized is I might not be like David. I might not be no king. I might not be in the aspect of I'm messing with another man's wife. I might not even be in the situation where Now I ain't got somebody, you know, knocked up and I got to go kick. I'm not in that situation like David, but what I recognize and I understand is I'm like David, the aspect of there are moments and there are times when I'm overwhelmed and I try to handle it on my own. And the way I try to handle it on my own is I try to use and do things That will try to satisfy my urge. That will try to settle me in some way or form. And the problem with me trying to do it myself is it never lasts long. Because the problem is still here. The the, the weight I still deal with. The the struggles I still have. the, The complications and the things that I'm going through. I'm still dealing with it. But then I read later on in scripture, when Jesus is talking to a group of people and he says, listen, come unto me, all ye that are laboring and heavy laden. I just wanna give unto you rest. I want you to learn of me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not that you're not gonna struggle, It's not that there's not going to be things that we deal with and pressures that we have. Some pressures are needed because that allows us to be stronger. And some pressures are needed because that that pushes us into different places and areas in our lives to be able to grow and develop in the things that we need to. Some pressures are needed because some pressures push you to where you're supposed to be. But none of the pressure... It's supposed to make you lean on your own strength. It's supposed to put us in a position where we can be able to lean on God. So you might be like myself, and we both might be like David, where we use other things to try to deal with the pressures of life. We try to use things in our own strength and our own power and our own way. And we try to continue to fix it the way we've been fixing it. And sometimes that just makes it worse on us, even if we never say it. David understood after the prophet Nathan in chapter 12 has now. Revealed unto him that it was him. David recognized and understood, yes, I messed up badly. I killed a man and slept with this woman. But David says something that I want to just read, and I'll end it from here. David makes this statement in chapter 12, verses 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said, The Lord has put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. David recognized something. What I did is I sinned against God Himself. In this matter, I have sinned against God Himself. But then this is what David does. This is what David does. David goes into a moment because situations and circumstances started to happen and went on and went on, and and it became a bigger situation. If you read through chapter 12, you'll understand exactly what I mean. David loses his child in the midst of all of this. Another emotional blow. And this is what it says in verses 20. Then David arose from the earth he was crying, he fell to the floor and washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house and when he had required, he set bread before him and he did eat. I'm going to Read this one point again and then we'll be done. And he came into the house of the Lord, and he worshipped. David going through all the emotional turmoil that he was going through, all the things that it was going on. And David said, how I deal with my emotional stuff is I go to God and worship. lay it before him. I get it out my system. Then after my worship, after this time with God, I go get me something to eat and go back to work. I can't wait to continue to read, but I do recognize and I understand that from that moment, we see David continually in this journey, worshiping God, staying before the Lord, communicating with God. Excuse me. But what he also does David, stays in his position as a king and as a warrior. I love you all, family. And I pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful night. My request for you tonight is in your emotional state, find your place of worship. I love you all, and I'll talk to you next time right here on the Focus on Greatness podcast. Talk to you all later. Bye-bye.